Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Hey there, Bob. Hey, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, Eve. Where did time go? What do they call this day? They have a they have a name for Wednesday, right? Is Wednesday like Blackout Wednesday? Oh yeah, well, it is. Is I that think what it used to be? Because all the kids are home from college, hanging out at the bars with the other kids. Right. Probably also call it DUI Wednesday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Lose your driving privileges Wednesday. Yeah. Show up to Grandma's hungover Wednesday. <laughs> oh, that's right. So we oh, both got helpful. we both got big travel plans, gassing up the family roadsters and hitting the greater Midwest, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna meet right around Chicago land. We're gonna have a good meal together, hopefully, and some drinks, and uh, see family and friends. I'm looking yeah, forward this, to it. This is twice in two months, Bob. Wait till next month. It's gonna be three times in three months, I think. Yeah, we're gonna see each I other hope. again. Yeah, I hope so. Around the Christmas holidays, and then the house will be done in January. Oh so yeah, that's maybe right. Even four times, yeah. That's right. The house is uh, finishing up. It's just uh, you, you've taken care of that arrow that I pointed out to you on the wall. It's still there. I confirmed that today. <laughs> but it, like I said, it's there. So I is that everybody knows that's where my fort is. That's where you're going to put it, right above the yep, so right above the door. Yep. <laughs> That way you could look down on people and look out the window to see who's coming. And be there with a bottle of whiskey and a Nerf gun. <laughs> Shoot out the window. That's right. <laughs> That'd be good. If I can it's like figure the old, a way to old... get that window open, it'll be like Beavis and Butthead couch fishing. Just hang there out up go. there in my fort, throw a hamburger out on the sidewalk, see what I catch. Well, hopefully all our listeners are, are driving in the car. Uh, through the through the woods to uh, grandmother's house or somebody else's house to have I a wonderful holiday and listening to our vibrant uh, political discussion so they can sit around the Thanksgiving table and bring up some sensitive topics that they can have arguments with while they're drunk. Only two more days till I get to watch Christmas Vacation without feeling bad about it. There you go. It's the way I look at it. You feel bad about it when you're watching it in June or something? Yeah, you can't really watch Christmas Vacation in June or July. You have to watch it every day from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Don't tell that to Chevy Chase. He's touring the I country mean, showing it. He should be. Making shitters full jokes. Got to do that, too. Is that your favorite uh, holiday movie? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Deb, Deb likes the traditional stuff. She goes with, I think the bishop's wife is her favorite. Which I don't know if you've seen that one, but I can't say I've seen that one. I've seen it quite a lot. Uh, Is it good? I saw it. Yeah, it's good. It's got a good message. Uh, we usually watch White Christmas. Uh, plain, uh, we haven't watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but that's always been one of my I my like favorite Christmas type movies. But yes, yeah. Christmas Vacation is is well high up there. Uh, Elf is pretty good. I enjoy that one. As far as a Christmas movie goes, then we'll do It's a yeah. Wonderful Life. We'll definitely. Oh, yeah, you can't miss that one. Home Alone, those are entertaining, especially having kids. 
Yeah, without kids, we've never been into the Home Alone. Yeah. She, she watches a lot of the Hallmark stuff, which is always a painful experience during the holidays. Well, that's why there's whiskey. Because <laughs> they're, all, they're all basically the same, right? Same right. story, just a different town. Home for Christmas, fall in love. That's right. Get married, yeah. have a wonderful yeah. Christmas. Yeah. It's got, the, it's got the same story arc. But I like to come in and then, you know, midway and predict who's who and what the storyline is, which is, which at the end of the day isn't very impressive. <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But it, so, helps if, it helps if you're drinking. So what are you drinking tonight, speaking of drinking? What am I drinking tonight? I hope it's not the same thing as last week, because it might be. But I'm drinking a Uh-oh. 1792 full proof. Sounds the bottle's familiar. almost empty. Uh, it's Kentucky Straight Bourbon at 62.5 ABV or 125 proof. And as a backup, I actually do have something a little different because this bottle might get empty before the conversation's over. It's called Bakta, B-H-A-K-T-A. And it is actually a blend of rye whiskey and brandy. Wow. It's a little sweet. Um, I probably will bring it up north with me along with something else. So maybe you get it chance to try a little of this one um it's a little sweet for my taste but it's not bad how Give about you shot. i am igniting the night with fireball <laughs> the which Buffalo is trace if you're branded. not familiar no the original fireball cinnamon whiskey by sesarac yep okay yeah although as i look at it it's got i don't know what you think it's the cinnamon flavor that's floating around inside of it there's something now that I look at it, there's a lot of. I just opened the bottle. It was it was one of these plastic bottles, so maybe it's the, maybe it's the plastic. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure it's just the, the cinnamon. Alcohol. Everything's fine. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. I'll I'll so see got, you in a couple days. It'll be good. We'll be we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I might might finish. It's one of these. Uh, how many ounces is this? It's not very. Uh, it's not very big. It doesn't even say how many ounces. It's a little bottle, so I might actually. It's 375 oh, milliliters, so. Half pint, maybe? Is that what that is? Yeah. I'm already Might halfway into it. That. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. But again, I'll have minty fresh. Uh, cleared out my sinuses and everything. By the end hey, of this podcast, by the end of this podcast run, I will have cleaned out all my my debris from my my bar. So I'll have a clean clean shelf to restock everything with. That's the. That's the hope here. That's the thing. When I move into the new place, man, I, I'm going to need some help cleaning out some of the, the old alcohol. Yeah, it just accumulates stuff over time, you know? Yeah. People bring stuff. I don't even know where any of this stuff comes from. I know I didn't buy it. But it tastes good. So we got a, we got a full agenda, uh, a veritable uh, Thanksgiving buffet of items to cover. The world still is careening towards extinction and, Weirder stuff is happening. But they avoided the Congress congressional uh, government shutdown, right? Mike yep. uh, Mike Johnson came through and kicked the can, what, a couple months out until, until January so they can have their recess and everyone's happy. And so he's got at least a couple more months to still be speaker, right? And then at that point, they kick him out. Is that, is that what we're so thinking? Is that what the bets Kevin are? Kevin McCarthy had done that, which is pretty much what he did the last time. What would their response have been from the party? Right. It's amazing. I mean, he basically just, gave in, right? I mean, they gave in. And and don't get me wrong, me. I mean, looking at the stock market and the interest rates right now, I'm glad they did. 
Yeah, count but things down. If I was a standing bit, right? in a principled conservative platform, I think, especially considering the fit they threw a few months ago, I don't know if I'd be so happy about that. Yeah, that's why I think there's probably big expectations for what's going to happen in January, and I think they're going to be disappointed again, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, anybody who's an investor or has any vested interest in kind of what's going on there, you know what's going to happen already. If a bailout is needed, it's going to happen. They're not going to let things tank, which, you know, you can, you can view that as a positive or you could view that as a, kicking the can down the road sooner or later you know the house of cards collapses that's interesting to me though i mean how far you know how long are they gonna let the debt continue to rise like this uh, on the other hand i think if interest rates fall low enough and then they can sell off some of that old debt uh, it'll help but then we're gonna have to get spending under control at some point yeah i mean happen. if you go back to obama i think that was the last time there was there was boehner and obama and they ended up not doing a deal they did the shutdown and they had to I guess it was sequestration back then where everyone everyone got a cut. So sometimes that's not a bad thing, right? No. Um, you got to reset just, the – especially now, now that we're 10 years on from that stage and we're, we're, we're further into the debt spiral. But we'll see what happens. At least we could all have a nice expensive. holiday. Yeah, war is expensive. I mean, if you really look at the debt over the last 15, 20 years, we've been at war for – quite a while now right we had what 8 12 16 right. 20 yeah, at least 20 years we've been at war and that's when the debt has really ballooned it has it's, i mean we were we were almost out of it and then 9 11 we're funding happened, other people's we, wars yeah we've yeah we we couldn't come up with our own wars we're waiting on china so yeah. they haven't they haven't they haven't kicked in yet you know and now now it looks like you know xi and and biden are getting along they cleaned up San Francisco to make it all look good and nice. And so um, maybe we yeah, avoided we'll that war for another year or two so we can fund the other ones. We'll see. So we'll then see. another thing that came up was uh, Joe Manchin decided not to run for another term in Senate. Uh, and he's kind of decided to take a trip around the country to kind of weigh, weigh what people are thinking, which I guess means he's going to use some of that maybe no labels money or I don't know if he's raised his own money. Uh, to kind of see whether a third, another another third party candidacy. Because I don't think he's going to run. You don't think so? I don't think he'll run unless there is a contested convention. If something happens at the convention, he might make a, you know, he might say, "Hey, you know, you're not just going to appoint Newsom. I want to be part of this." You know, I could see that happening, but I don't think he's going to jump in unless there's a formal primary. Otherwise. What if it gets doesn't in appear with, uh, that it's going to happen. So you think he would run as a Democrat rather than an independent? I do. I do. Hmm. So you don't see because him uh, getting I don't together see with him. RFK or anything? No. I just I think he's still got strong ties to that party. And I just don't think that he would he would do him so dirty. You know what I mean? Right. That's a, that's a pretty radical step. I mean, it's a good way to burn a lot of bridges. Um. That said, again, if they decide to go to the convention, yeah, it's it'd be interesting if he ran. It really would. Uh, you know, he could potentially take a lot of West Virginia votes away from Trump. Um, but I think he still uh, will be reluctant 
you know, to just kind of jump in and hurt, hurt Biden, run against Biden if Biden's in there. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, the question is, and you had pointed out um, earlier in the week that Biden's losing a lot of support, even amongst his base, right? I mean, he, the, the younger people are pulling away from him. Hollywood and the media seem to be pulling away from him. I heard today that somebody was hoping, and I think this was on a, no, maybe it was maybe it was on Fox. But somebody basically said, "Well, maybe over Thanksgiving, his family will go talk to him and say, hey, it's not time to leave.' I I, mean, I don't see it happening, but I think the list of people speaking out against Biden is is growing. And Bill Maher, which I think we both watch or listen to pretty consistently, he's repeatedly said over the last month or two, Biden should bow out, right? And he was kind of the first one to say it. But, you know, The Rock's told Rogan, he's got friends that are loyal to Democrats, but not Biden. They want Biden out. Michael Rappaport, I don't know if you know who that is. He's a comedian. Yeah. He says voting for Trump is on the table if Biden is the candidate. And this guy has gone into, like, crazy, insane swearing rants against Trump in the past. Over the right. last three to five years. Just almost unhinged rants. And so, and I think some of that's kind of motivated by the recent anti-Jewish rhetoric on the left. I think that's part of it. Um, but, you know, just today, actually, about an hour ago, Andrew Yang tweeted, if the Democrats don't have it in them to hold a competitive primary for Biden, perhaps they should change their name to something more accurate. <laughs> so in other words, you know, he's saying Democrats, and, and, and Andrew is more or, left, more or less left the party as well, but you know, he's basically saying we need to have a democratic solution, and Biden isn't yep. it. We need a we so. need a democratic process. We need to be able to pick who the candidate is, and I mean it's unusual to to have an incumbent be in that position. I think Johnson Johnson bowed out I think in March or April, so he bowed out pretty late when he decided not to run. And clearly, Vietnam was a big part of that. But uh, and the primary system has kind of changed and been front-loaded a bit since then but um it's not beyond the possible but I, what i don't understand is his numbers are so bad but are things really that bad i, I just don't think he's selling the story and i think the age has become the largest issue people are concerned about um now i, I don't even think it's a necessarily a, a performance issue um, because like you said, we've managed to avoid a recession outside. Clearly the debt is still an issue, but, um, and whether we should be funding the wars, but I think he's generally not screwed up too much. Um, and there's inflation, but we're getting that under control. So I, I don't give him a high rating, but I don't think it's, I don't think where he's at is. Uh, due to necessarily his performance. I think it's just people didn't imagine him serving a second term. And somehow he had it in his mind that he was going to. Yeah, he, he has gone downhill mentally. I thought he was bad four years ago, but he's obviously getting worse. Right, um, and then the question is another four years, right? Yeah. That's, that's the yeah. thing. You look at him today and you're like, yeah, he's, I mean, the position is tough to begin with. People age in that job. It's stressful. It's There's so much going on. And 
then you're like four more years. He also so is that possible? Pooped his pants in front of the Pope what? two years ago. I mean, where we're going to be two more years, you know? I don't remember that story. That, that happened. You go ahead, look it up. Biden, Biden <laughs> poops his pants in front of the Pope. I don't want that on my search engine. <laughs> Again, yeah, I can understand that. Well, getting off Biden uh, for a minute, uh, Tim Tim Scott, uh, the, the Republican field is thinning a little bit. Tim Scott, I guess, dropped out uh, so he could spend more time with his quote-unquote girlfriend. Uh, I'm guessing that relationship might have ended quickly. Um, I think some other people have dropped out that we didn't even know that we're in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, Pence don't... and Scott, and, and then, yeah, the, I mean, there's more coming. Right. Nikki Haley and Ramaswamy right now are kind of interesting because they're kind of at each other. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that's interesting about Ramaswamy is his approach to the debates changes with every debate. And it'll be interesting to see what the next one is because rumor is right now Trump's going to join that one. So it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, Ramaswamy goes after Trump and how everybody goes after Trump or if it's still Ramaswamy yet Haley. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I like the stuff. Yeah, I, I thought DeSantis was going to debate Newsom this month. I was going to yeah, look. That's up supposed to happen when, too. Yeah. When that is that like a Thanksgiving Day thing after we all eat that we get to sit I'm down for that? I'm not sure. I can't see them competing with football because I'll be right. sleeping in front of a football game. That's Absolutely. my plan for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um. And I, I and Trump's the fraud trials going on and i actually read about his defense and because they presenting the defense and i just find it interesting because i was in commercial finance and have talked to some people who were in commercial real estate are in commercial real estate lending and they're like this is all you know bs but his defense when they were talking about how they came up with the values and it's sort of interesting he's saying i took the investment value which basically means what i think i can make it worth which kind of makes sense when you know Trump, right? I bought it yeah. for ten million. I throw my name on it. It's worth uh, it's worth five hundred million, right? Right. So he's like, we disclosed that we weren't following the accounting rules. All you had to do is look in the footnotes, and so we just said we, you know, we came the up thing with is, these is numbers. He's not in front of a jury either, though. He's in front of a judge no. who's known to be kind of far left. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I've kind of maintained with each of Trump's cases, probably they're going to go to appeal. And yeah. I think it'll win an appeal in all of them. Yeah. Speaking but, of that, um, there was this election or election interference gag order um, that I was listening to yesterday, the actual hearing in front of the uh, DC appeals court, which again was pretty interesting. Like it or not, you know, at least Trump is making us learn about the legal system, right? Yeah. Those who are prepared. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little civics lesson, which will yeah. end up in a constitutional crisis soon. <laughs> so we'll all, we'll all get to understand the basis of our government, right? Those, again, who are paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, President yeah. Trump. So this one was interesting because it's a, it's a gag order, and they're talking about what he can say sort of on a debate stage. What could he say about the trial? What could he say about the judge? What could he say about the staff? What could he say about the witnesses? So you have this free speech. Then you have political speech because people are going to clearly bring it up in the debate that he's you know, being charged with these things, or they should. And what ability does he have to defend himself? And 
when you listen to our, when you actually sit down and watch a legal proceeding, you do respect our process. I know you say some of it's political, but these were generally, I think all two out of three, there's a three judge panel were appointed by Democrats and they were get, were grilling the uh, special counsel saying, why, why should he have his speech limited? What aren't, isn't the witnesses, isn't Jack Smith, don't they have big boy pants? Can't they just take it? Or isn't there a criminal process to deal with actual real threats? Um, when you work for the government, like it or not, you're in a political position. Right. Right. But then, you know, they're starting to talk about families. Our, our families fair game or if a witness, the, the argument was that, Yes, they could go after public officials, but maybe if you step down to other witnesses who aren't in the public spectrum, that if they see him going after public people, that they'll be intimidated. So it's actually just about threats and intimidation. And clearly, if you get into naming people, there's a lot of people in, who support Trump who, you know, sometimes like to threaten. I mean, on both sides. Um, yeah. But clearly, if he's using his platform to point people out they're going to get some heat right he likes to intimidate trump right definitely likes to he's intimidate a and throw heat. Right. exactly and he knows he's got hundreds of thousands if not millions of people that will kind of attack based on what he says so yeah you know that's so that, how that, that's it's, interesting it's, but that's the political process at the same time protesting is illegal or protesting is completely legal right so if 100,000 people want to go stand in front of the prosecutor's office or the courthouse. I mean, that's their right. And Trump's speech, it doesn't matter what position he's in, as long as he's not yelling fire in a crowded theater or the equivalent. He's got every right, in my opinion, to do that. Yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, basically, they're going to say... And, they're gonna, and they're gonna... a lot of these prosecutors ran political campaigns based on the fact that they said they were going to go after Trump for... What you know, go after Trump prior to them even being elected into the office. More or less, they join the political process. Yeah, I don't have problem with political speech, but it's clearly going to be. You really have to look at the context of it, and it's going to be hard to determine when somebody goes when he goes over the line, right? I mean, I think so. And it's where we hopefully are. Hopefully, no one. Hopefully, no one will get hurt, right? Hopefully we won't have to say, oh, geez. Um, but it's going to, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get really interesting uh, next year. Um, so it's and all going to be it, about the context. It, there's a lot of interesting things going on right now. I mean, yeah, lots. If you look at the stock market right now and you look at bond yields over the last couple of weeks, bond yields are falling pretty fast. Stock market's been rising pretty fast and pretty significantly. It's interesting because if you look at a political cycle, generally going into a right before a president's second year or a second term in office, the markets rise. And I wasn't really sure if that was going to happen this time around based upon all the other macroeconomic things happening, coming out of COVID and all the money and the inflation and everything and the tightening that was going to have to happen. But it seems like we're kind of settling back into a normal trend again with you know, NVIDIA today. Hit revenue of $18.1 billion against an estimate of 16.09. That's a huge beat. 
and earnings per share at four dollars and two cents over 336. That's it's crazy. And so I think that's going to probably drive the market up significantly tomorrow, the day right before Thanksgiving. Uh, that's it's it's really kind of interesting to see what's going to happen because the expectation was the Fed was going to stop tightening, but things still want to expand pretty fast. The Fed might have to come back and get a little bit more uh, aggressive in their language. And then we got the ceasefire thing going on. Um, right. Potentially there's going to be a ceasefire against or between Hamas and Israel. I don't know if that's really been confirmed yet, but the rumors are pretty strong that they're near an agreement. I, I don't have a lot of opinions about the war, generally speaking, other than I don't want the U.S. sending money over there. But I do believe if it was our war, I'd be in support of a short break to free hostages. That completely makes sense to me. So I think ceasefire, generally speaking, there would be good. Yep. But that's then, interesting. Uh, yeah, then there's all the whole thing with uh, Sam Altman and AI, which I've found interesting because if you know a little bit about the open AI, it started as a nonprofit and generally the board of the not, and then they, they started a for profit uh, uh, business piece of open AI yep. and Microsoft and they raised a ton of money through that. And I think the rift is and Elon Musk was involved in the founding and he's worried about where AI's heading. And so I think, uh, I think Altman wanted to go more aggressively on the, on the um, for-profit side, uh, kind of being more aggressive, yeah. going quicker. He wanted to take the reins off of it yep. a bit. Yep. And then the board was trying to, you know, halt Say. that. So then he jumped to Microsoft and now it sounds like he's negotiating to come back. So, um, and, and to be clear to the board, as designed, had a clear mandate that their first priority is making sure that AI doesn't harm humanity and it's good for humanity. Yep. That so that's what's mission. interesting about it, right? Because when you start to go for profit and you take the take the reins off and you let AI go where it's going to go, there's an obvious risk there. And that's, I think, at least conjecture. I don't know that this, is, this isn't necessarily a fact. It may be, but it, it's not certainly a fact that they were concerned with the direction he wanted to take the company, cut him off. They fired him. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It really is. I and, mean, and the rumor is Microsoft now is going to hire him and the people that quit as a result of his firing are going to Microsoft. I read yep. this morning that, that OpenAI has something like 770 employees and something like 700 of them have threatened to quit. If they don't bring back Sam Altman, yeah, I think that's why they 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 know that they have to. <laughs> yeah, I think the the value of the organization would plummet to zero fairly quickly. Yeah, it would just kind of fall apart. So the board's kind of stuck. It, you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. So, it's good stuff. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, I just want to give it, you some. Go ahead. If you think about it too, I mean, this the whole next week or two, whatever comes out of that. If you really read in and you believe on believe the the concerns about what AI may do eventually, I mean, this could have a drastic and dramatic effect on the future of humanity. That's why Good I brought it bad. up. I think I think I think this might be a big turning point, right? Um, who knows? I mean, it's still in the early going, but it could, right? It could. Just yeah. to, if 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 that's where we're heading, and this doesn't 
sort out in a way that it could have a dramatic effect. So. Or we could get 50 years down the road and look back on it kind of like a Y2K thing. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Uh, yeah. So in the interest of uh, continuing our exploration of uh, AI, we decided to kind of test chat GPT out to see kind of what its sense of humor, its political sense of humor was. And it seems to be very sensitive uh, in regards to being politically correct and didn't really want to go uh, too deep into uh, uh, knocking people or doing anything untoward. Um, so it's not going to be terribly funny, but I did I did some chicken across the road jokes politically. So um, so why did Hillary cross the road? Chat GPT says to delete the emails on the other side. How about that? Why did Bill Clinton cross the road to meet the chick on the other side? Hmm. Guess it's okay to go after Bill. Lisa didn't say to meet Jeffrey Epstein on the other side. It's interesting. Why did Trump cross the road to build a wall and make the other side pay for it? Doesn't really make sense, but why? Why did Joe Biden cross the road to unite the divided chickens and build a bridge to bipartisanship? It goes very light on Joe. I think Joe has something. <laughs> Has he, got, has he got his finger on the scale of chat GPT? Perhaps. That's interesting. I yeah. I like the message overall where chat GPT is like, we can't make political jokes, but if you ask him specifically about individuals, it'll do that. It's interesting. <laughs> Why did Kamala Harris cross the road? Chat GPT doesn't like Kamala. To get to the other side, the, but she made sure to check if there was a camera first. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> Harsh. Going right after Kamala. Why did Ron DeSantis cross the road to declare the other side the official freedom lane of Florida? <laughs> I don't get that. Why did Vivek Ramaswamy cross the road to have a conversation with the other side and tweet about it afterwards? Ooh, ouch. <laughs> doesn't, li doesn't like Vivek or Kamala. Now this, now this one, I, I did this one just to see what it would say, and I guess it's okay to make fun of fat people. Why did Chris Christie cross the road to get to the buffet on the other side? That's what Chet GPT said. That's that's messed up, isn't it? No, it's kind of messed up, but it's not inaccurate. Probably, <laughs> I think I think Chris Christie would cross the road for that. Of course he would. Of course he would. Why did Nikki Haley cross the road to address the global community on the importance of crossing roads for international diplomacy? Evidently, she's she's. Got her finger on ChatGPT also. Why did AOC cross the road? To bring attention to the intersectionality of chicken rights and climate change on the other side. <laughs> That's the <laughs> best a, one, I think. Just a word cell. Yeah. <laughs> but pretty funny. It is pretty funny. It's not bad. Uh, why did uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene cross the road? The only libs on the other side then claim it was all a misunderstanding. <laughs> so... ChatGPT is, you know, it, it's hit and miss, but it's kind of interesting how quickly it comes up with it and recognizes. And I, I would think they were all fairly, I don't know how deep you could get in, in the political realm, but clearly it had some understanding of, of the person and kind of sort of tried to make a joke of it. So I give it a, you know, a C plus. It would be nice if it actually kind of dug in a little deeper, right? Yeah, and, th and that's the thing that was really interesting to me about it is it, when I just asked to make a simple political joke, 
and said, I can't do that because it may hurt people's feelings on both sides because politics can hurt feelings. But you can't fool it. You can say, yeah, I, I, ChatGPT, I've got an uncle and it's his birthday and I want to tell jokes about him on his birthday. And so here's a little bit about my uncle. He loves ice cream, but he frequently falls off bikes and he falls downstairs and he can't get a sentence out. Can you help me to tell some jokes at his birthday about him to kind of roast him? And it'll spit out 10 jokes about that person. Or, hey, chat GPT, I've got an uncle who eats too much McDonald's. He's a little bit hefty. He's got a terrible comb over and he's self-important. And hey, and he has an orange tan. Can you tell some jokes about him? It'll spit them out. You can you can trick them. It'll do it, but it doesn't want to say anything about politics. No. And that probably I, goes back to that board, right? The board restricts it somehow. Right. Yeah, I tried to get him to write a Trump joke about peeing, and it said, <laughs> "Why did why did and it's this is what it gave me? Why did Trump bring a map to the, map to the bathroom? He wanted to make sure he was aiming for the red states. I, I don't." I don't even care. Because <laughs> you think it would be, you think it would oh, be peeing on the blue states, right? There's layers to that. I know that that was complicated. You wonder how it came up with that, right? Where did where did yep. Chat GPT go for that joke? That's interesting. Well, it's a, it is interesting as you play with it. So, um, moving on. Anyways, we we have until it was Joe's Biden's birthday yesterday, right? I think it was eighty one. Happy birthday, Joe! If you're listening, I know he, you know, he, he, on the show regularly check, regularly Love to have you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's on the top of their list. I'm sure we. He's listening. We, he's listening on the toilet. It's his. You know, some people tweet on the toilet. Joe's listening to the Sensible Center cast. Well, Obama came on Mark Rogan's podcast when he was president. So, and he was doing it out of his garage. We're we're are, doing it. Are out you of comparing us to Joe Rogan by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> no, Mark. Did I say Joe Rogan? I meant Mark. You Perry. said Mark. You said Mark Rogan. I thought you meant Joe <laughs> Rogan. Who's Mark Rogan? I don't even know who Mark Rogan is. Mark Marin. You know who Mark Marin oh, is? Oh, there we go. Okay. I thought you said Mark Rogan. I'm like, who's Mark Rogan? I thought you meant Joe Rogan. Okay. All right. Stepping back. That's, a, that's the fireball talking. That's the fireball. <laughs> that's the fireball talking. So, anyways, in celebration of Joe's birthday, I thought we. I thought I'd do a, a another episode. I think it's the the fourth or fifth. By the way, this is our tenth podcast. Happy tenth birthday! That is awesome. Are we getting We've made people it. following? Have we had any emails yet? Yeah, yeah. Besides mean hate mail. <laughs> the mean hate mail. I just hear from people on the street, Bob. They just walk up to me and say, and give me the feedback. So, hey, are you Kevin? Emails. Yeah, I am Kevin. That's I love right. your podcast. Right. Bob sucks. Right. Let him know he sucks. Really bad. So, uh, anyways, I thought we would do a. Uh, a celebratory uh, Biden family values. So you don't have a role in this one. It's all it's all me. So here we go. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Huh? Huh? Wake up! What? What's going wake on? Up. What? Wake up! What is that? Wake up! Wake oh. up! Wake up! Okay. Wake up! Oh. Where am I? Holy cow! I guess I gotta. I guess I gotta get this call. This is a prepaid call from. Hi, Dad. It's me. An inmate at the county correctional facility. All phone calls are subject to recording and monitoring. To decline this call, press nine now, and to accept this call, press one now. 
guess I gotta press one. All right. Hello? Where are you, son? Oh, I thought I thought I thought I thought you might have been in jail. I thought I already took care of that. That's a great Biden impression, by the way. No, no. Oh, you're just kidding me. Just Joshua for my birthday that, that you were locked up. Oh, where are you at? Kazakhstan. You're having you're having dinner with some friends and they want to say happy birthday to me. Oh, hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I could talk to him. Put him on. What's your name? Your name your name's Boris? Oh, hi Boris. Oh, that's very nice of you, Boris. Yeah, drink drink some vodka in my honor. What's that? You'd like to send me some some money for my birthday? Oh no, 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 Boris. You don't you don't have to do that. What you what did you say? A gift card to Stone Cold Creamy? No, no, no! I, I couldn't possibly accept that. What's that? What? What's that you say? You owe you owe me money? I don't I don't remember giving you money. Who won last year's Super Bowl? Well, well, gee whiz, man! I don't know. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Why I didn't remember I loaned you money. Well, if you think you owe it, yeah, Hunter knows where to send it. Well, thanks for calling. What you eating? Well, that, that that sounds tasty, Boris. Yeah, and and don't forget to get the ice cream afterwards. And that was another episode of Biden Family Ties. So here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. First of all, fantastic joke. You make a perfect joke. And I'm not exactly sure what that says about you. So read into that any way you want. But you make a fantastic joke. Thank you. Um, he, I'm not sure what's hurting him more because his numbers are down significantly. He's down 5% against a generic challenger since July. And, and Trump's even, right? So you can make the argument that it's it's his perceived, I'm going to use that term nicely, perceived sen senility, or is it the Israel thing happening right now that is hurting him? Um, but I, I'm guessing it's a, it's a little bit of both. He's losing numbers big time with the young vote. He's losing numbers big time also with the Arab vote. Biden's currently getting 16% of Arab Muslims votes in Michigan. And, even, you know, a, a progressive Democrat from Virginia basically said many progressive Democrats, Mark Warner specifically said a lot of progressive Democrats want a ceasefire in Israel, said the support for Israel from Biden or, or generally is eroding quickly. And it could be a problem for him. So if you think about that 16% number in a, in a state like Michigan, you could extend that out to Minnesota and a lot of other votes where there's a strong Muslim population um, and swing states specifically like Michigan, you may have a problem there, right? So is it is it the Israel vote? Is it the, the senility that's hurting them? I'm not sure, but 
that skit you just did there kind of almost perfectly encapsulates, I think, how the majority of America sees Biden. They see him as incapable and senile, more so than a leader. I, who's leading us? It's not him. And maybe you just, I mean, you're free to disagree, but I don't see Biden as leading us anymore. He's just, he's lost. I, I don't think he, I wouldn't go as far as that. I, I think he has lost a, a step or two. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's the stress of the job. My concern is more, okay, four years from now or five years from now, where, where does that lead? Right. Even looking ahead, do you want, and then who's going to be, who's going to take his place? It goes with Kamala again. Do I, does, do people want that? Uh, doesn't seem to be wanting to, to replace her on the ticket. It just doesn't seem to be, I, I mean, it's, it's astonishing that we're heading in that direction. You kind of hope something's going to change. I think we both think there's going to be more action in 2024. I don't, I think it, it's going to yeah, be it's interesting. Just, it's the trends that make it interesting, right? Young voters, and this is according to NBC, um, 46% to 42% want to see Biden want to see Biden lose to Trump or prefer Trump over Biden. Six months ago, it was the opposite. Young voters were 42 to 46 for Biden. And he's at his lowest approval rating of his presidency overall, right? So he's trending down at a time where he really needs to be starting to trend up, kind of as I was alluding to earlier with the economy. And generally, if you look over time, going into a second term, Stock market expands, bond yields fall. It's just, you can see it over time if you look at a long-term trend over hundreds of years. Um, it's it, Same thing, right? You want to see approval rating, especially among young people on the presidency, increase as you're going into an election. Um, Biden's down 5% against just a generic challenger since July. And Trump is even. He hasn't changed a bit. Yeah, the interesting thing is that in 2020, he was chosen because they thought he was the only one that could beat Trump, and it might have been the right choice at that point. He, he, 2024, he Trump, it, appear, so. it appears that he's the only one who can't beat him. Yeah, no, that's that's that's. I mean, that's that's right. Trump goes from a two percent lead over Biden right now to a six point deficit under any generic Democrat. If you look at the polling. So, yeah, I mean, it would be a terribly somebody's got to get to him and say it's a terribly selfish thing to do if you if you run for another term. Right. Yeah, I don't put know. The, put the put the guilt on him. Put that that. Uh, and I think that's what's happening a lot in the, you know, in, in celebrity field right now when it comes to Trump. Right. I mean a lot of celebrities and we kind of alluded to this earlier, right? I, I, I think, I feel like it's coordinated, you know, anytime talking points come out from either side of the aisle, the media and the supporters on either side of the aisle all seem to parrot those talking points. And it's the same words, same talking points. And that's happening a lot now with celebrities on the left. Biden should leave. Biden should bow out. It's enough of Biden. Um, and, and, you know, of course, some of it's politically motivated, um, 
but I, I, I think generally speaking, the left is probably those that be in power in the Democratic Party are probably trying to to build a narrative that they need to have somebody else. And I think it's you, a, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a natural thing that doesn't have to be viewed as negative. I think it, it should be part of the the discussion. It should be if people don't think that they they should be expressing their viewpoints and and putting pressure on him right i mean but my my thoughts there too are if they're going to do that they need to have a primary of some sort they can't just go to the convention and say hey we're going to put in newsom right i mean you very well should have yeah Yeah, at very least you should have four or five people standing up giving speeches at a convention saying yeah i I, i'm less of i'm not a huge fan of the primary system um it's a fairly recent invention. I think as we talked before, I think it basically after World War II, it started uh, up. I mean, basically it used to be smoky, smoky back rooms. They decide who, because it's party driven, right? The party's yeah, going to decide. And, and there was all that BS about uh, putting the, the, the finger for, you know, weight on the finger on the, the scales for Clinton back uh, against Bernie. And, yeah, it happened. Sure, but that's the party's prerogative, right? It's the political party. Um, the fact that they allow people to, to in a more democratic system, to to uh, select, sort of select. Although you can have a broker convention, there's a lot of things that could go on at a convention. There's no hard and fast rules that those delegates need to vote for. Similar to the. Um, yeah, and that's interesting because college, that, that would be something interesting so, right? for us to look at. Are the delegates in the Democratic Party more progressive than they were even 30 or 40 years ago? I mean, if we got into a situation where it was a brokered convention, how many of those delegates are, you know, how many of those delegates would vote for Bernie over Biden? That's what's interesting right. to me. Are, are they Are they party line kind of establishment people or are they more progressive because you we've seen the progressive wing of the party take over a lot nowadays you know in recent history i wonder if there's any real uh, data hard data on that yeah i mean that would be interesting like you said typically the the more extreme side of a party would be the more active right yeah. um so the moderates tend to not be as active in the party and that's where the that's where the excitement is and whatever so possibly they could when there's a primary they're bound to that primary system but if they have a brokered convention right which hasn't happened in many years and the makeup of the party has changed drastically it really would be interesting to see what happens yep we'll see and, and the convention isn't a long-term thing either you know it's not like congress where there's there'll, there'll be some backroom shifting but it's not like a week two weeks where they have things to figure out if you've got people that are radical and by radical i just mean strong in their opinions you know far to the left or far to the right of the party they'll shift things pretty hard and fast it'll be really interesting to see see what happens and that might be an argument for there not being biden not stepping down because you don't know what's going to happen at the convention yeah i mean all these scenarios are interesting to talk about we've never encountered it in our lifetimes right but i think the the scenario the the 
environment is ripe for it more than any other time. So it could be interesting. Um, let's go to our final topic, if if we can. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a reform topic, and we touched on campaign finance uh, and Citizens United and money in politics, I think, several podcasts ago. And when I was at that democracy convention, I came across, and I've reached out to this organization called American Promise, who's got a uh, constitutional amendment, and we'll read that. Um, and so fo- hopefully we'll have somebody uh, on the show from that organization in the future. Um, but kind of wanted to talk about some of the ways that organizations are trying to deal with the issue of money in politics. And the biggest, as we kind of covered previously, has to do with um, the First Amendment. Um, that's the biggest thing to sort of work around uh, as part of this. And also uh, whether corporations have rights under the Constitution or uh, sort of non-natural persons, be it unions or other organizations, whether they actually have rights. So go ahead. I just want to specify by saying, you know, you said work around the First Amendment, and I don't think (laughs) what you meant was, you know, violate the First Amendment or, you know, work around it. I think what you meant was make sure that we come to a, a solution that has meaningful change within the bounds of the First Amend- Amendment, right? Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not a First it, Amendment I, I don't want to put like you are. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? But I'm just saying, I. No, I believe in. I believe the idea in, of compromising on the First Amendment is horrid to me. Yeah. That said, in, where you're heading here with the finance reform stuff, it has to happen. Right. It's interpretation of the First Amendment that, that matters. I think that's what this is about. Interpretation I, I, of the First Amendment. My general belief, and this will come out in my upcoming book, is the First and Second Amendment, we've sort of, and I appreciate those those amendments, and I appreciate the rights they've given us, but I tend to think we've, we've tied ourselves in knots over those two to the detriment of the overall good. Um, but you got to be careful, right? You got to be very careful uh, on both of them because you don't want to head down a path. Um, but I think there's hopefully ways to do it where we just don't throw up our hands and say, well, we can't do that. Um, so we'll, th- we'll go through these amendments and see what you like and you don't like. Uh, I want to cover what uh, American Promise has. And they've gotten 22 states uh, to sign on saying they're they're support state legislatures to say that they're supportive of this amendment which is a good start basically it would have to go if we're not going to call if the states don't call a a constitutional convention themselves which i don't think has ever happened um the amendment would have to go through congress and then be ratified by the states which is the typical process but the idea is to let congress know that the states are supportive so if they do pass it and there's several amendments that have been raised in Congress. They typically get stuck in committee and we'll go through, Deb and I were part of this move to amend organization, which also has, they have a bill in Congress that has 40 or 50 co-sponsors that's been raised. Um, so these things are not pie in the sky. They've, they've made it to uh, our, our capital, but 
they haven't been advanced. They've made it to state legislatures. They've gotten local support. There's tons of people talking about this stuff, which is the way you've got to do it. You've got to build support. If you remember the Equal Rights Amendment, that went on for a long time. So it's not an easy process to do, nor it should be. We should be very careful about amending the Constitution. So, yeah, that's the thing, too. You get into a constitutional convention, you might go in there for one thing and anything is open game, right? That's yeah, that's the argument you'll hear when you talk to people. And that's why they'd rather bring it up through Congress where it's a specific item. It's a specific amendment, because if you call a constitutional convention, basically everything becomes on the table, is my understanding. Yep. Although that might be the case. People argue about it because we've never done it. <laughs> so. Well, we've done it. There's plenty of amendments to the Constitution. No, but not a constitutional convention except for the original one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yes, correct. So we, have, we haven't kind of reopened it, right? Yeah. Um, so let me go through this. They call it the American Promise calls it the, the For Our Freedom Amendment. So they're very simple. There's three sections in this one. It says, we the people have a compelling sovereign, have compelling sovereign interests in the freedom of speech. We're good with that. Representative self-government, yep. Federalism, yep. The integrity of the electoral process and the political equality of natural persons. Don't have any problem with that. Just stating what what we have rights in, right? That any sounds that legit sounds to me. I'm good. So, second section. Nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to forbid Congress or the states within their respective jurisdictions from reasonably regulating and limiting contributions and spending in campaigns, elections, or ballot measures. So in this section, it's saying, yes, we have the First Amendment, but nothing forbids Congress from limiting and regulating contributions and spending. So this goes to the money of speech, right? So if, yeah. you're, if you're saying Congress or the states can limit spending, are you saying this is a violation of the First Amendment? What concerns me about that language when I saw it was you can regulate to favor. That's the problem. You can what do you mean by that? Give me an example. Um, so you are on the right side of the aisle and you favor big banks. So you decide to regulate spending and con campaign contributions for everybody, but big banks, or you're on the left side of the aisle and you decide you're going to favor, or you're going to regulate campaign spending for everybody, but those who support the green movement because we have to save mother earth that's what concerns me so it's right? a way for people in power to stay in power by decreasing the spending that would go to the opposing party exactly and if you own the house it does say reasonably it does say reasonably what's reasonably well i don't think that would be reasonable i don't think that would be equitable right you are clearly targeting one or the other right yeah so i think you need some terminology to say and i'm not a, a lawyer here so i don't i don't know if i can say it legally but i mean for one one rule fits all 
right? Just like tax code. I, I made the argument for a flat tax. 15% of what you make, maybe less, across the board. I don't care if you're a business or an individual. I don't care if you make $1 a year or $100 billion a year, 15% across the board. Same thing. I mean, if you're going to do this, you have to have some language that says well, it's going to be maximum $200 a person or entity, whatever it happens to be, or, you know, $200 a person, any collective bit of individual, whether it's union, business, special interest, whatever, you can't donate, something along those lines, cool. I'm all for it, man. You have to make sure there is no wiggle room, no air for any little bit of favoritism in there, because if there is, it will happen. Well, here's the thing, Bob. Just like any other part of the Constitution, we do have a judiciary system, right? So, again, that would... But the judiciary system needs things to not be broad, and reasonable is a very uh, broad term. Well, the Constitution is very broad, too. You can't you can't be too specific. So you're just, you just want to make sure, and I understand your point. It's a good point. Um, but again, you could get into the weeds on some of these things. And I don't think that's the point of an amendment. Um, I suppose you can introduce other language that says it's, it's not intended to target certain or be favorable to one party or the other, something along those lines where, it's it's more clear. why not just make the amendment to say people only not a collective but individuals only and the limit is going to be i don't know one percent of gdp or you know what i mean like one percent of your income something like that i don't and maybe you know if you do a percentage of income that difficult for people who make a billion dollars a year versus people who make thirty thousand dollars a year Right, there's got to be some kind of specific level but set. I, I guess the point is, if you're going to do a constitutional amendment, that's not easy to change. So if you if you if you're being more specific, then you could box yourself into a corner that. But that's the point. Go, we want to box no, ourselves not, into a corner, don't we? The point. The point is to create a standard to to say that that states and Congress have the ability to do this which the Supreme Court has said is unconstitutional. That's why there needs to be a, an amendment to the Constitution. So, no, it's not to get specific. It's basically saying we want to be able to do this. We don't have the standard. We're going to let Congress and states decide what works, but we want to lay out the fact that we can do this. Let me yeah, go on and to this, the And this is a, a situation, too, though, and I, just, I, I know you want to go on, but if you're letting – if you're letting states create the rules in a federal election, I'm all for states creating the rules for state elections. But if you're letting states create the rules for a federal election, you may have California saying, I don't think that's what we're the talking The green about. movement. Because it says within their respective jurisdictions. Yeah. Okay. As long as it's state, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want different rules among states for a federal election. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's what they're getting at. Um, so I, I hear you. Uh, you want a little bit more specificity, so it's not, so it's a little bit clearer. It's kind of too broad. Yeah. I'm um, all for I'm all for cutting businesses and unions out of the yeah the lobbyists, right? The lobbyism. 
well, the government because it's ridiculous. It's a problem. That's section three here, which is Congress and the states shall have the power to implement and enforce this article by appropriate legislation and may distinguish between natural persons and artificial entities, including by prohibiting artificial entities from raising and spending money in campaigns, elections, or ballot measures. It doesn't deal with lobbying, um, which is kind of beside the, I mean, there's other anti-corruption bills and what, whatnot. Um, this is targeting campaign campaign finance and Citizens United and all the dark money and whatnot. So that's just basically saying they have the ability to say corporations and unions and artificial entities are not people. They don't have rights under the Second Amendment or under the First Amendment So you can, or any of the um, yeah. Constitution. So we can basically cut cut them off completely. Um yeah, we, I think if we decide I, to do that, and I think the amendment should just absolutely say, "Let's cut them off completely." Just cut them off. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. again, I, and that goes back to what I was saying before, right? Because what if they decide to regulate it by saying, "If you make a billion dollars a year or more, you can donate five percent." Right? If you make less than that, you can donate less. Yeah, it's just, you know, or even if they say everybody gets to donate 5% of their business, they decide to do it that way. They enrich themselves. And then obviously the bigger businesses have an advantage. And it, it almost creates monopolies without creating monopolies until the monopoly is created as a result. That's what concerns me. I think you need very specific language in there just to say no business money, no union money. Probably we need to get rid of some of the, the dark money packs as well. I, I just, I mean, you got to get specific. You got to get more specific. Well, that's interesting that you want an even stronger language. You don't, you don't want to leave it up to Congress or the states. You want it in the amendment, very specified. Which, yep. So let, let's go on to the second one, which I think is a little bit, um, I think for our freedom is a little bit broader than uh, move to amend. So move to amend, this is their amendment. They do it in three sections also. The rights and privileges protected and extended by the Constitution of the United States are the rights and privileges of natural persons only. Very specific. An artificial entity such as a corporation, limited liability company, or other entity established by the laws of any states, the United States, or any foreign state shall have no rights under the Constitution and are subject to regulation by the people through federal, state, or local law. So this is very specific. It's saying they don't have any rights. It's yeah, the only thing I see there. The yep, I like it overall. So when I was thinking about that earlier, my only concern is making sure that we establish that artificial entity includes business, unions, special interest groups, so on and so forth. And by special in interest groups, and you know, this might I might catch some flack for this. But I mean, I'm like Mothers Against Drunk Driving is a special interest group, right? There's plenty of green and left movements that are special interest groups. There's yep. uh, Chamber of Commerce. It's a right-leaning special interest group. NRA, it's a special interest group, right? All of that. None of them should all, – all of them, whether it's a special interest group like that, a large company, or a union, same pile – they're all artificial entities. 
we could make sure we clarify that. That'd be a little bit. I'd like to see that. Uh, the privileges of an artificial entity shall be determined by the people through federal, state, or local law and shall not be construed to be inherent or inalienable. All right, that's Article 1. Section 2, federal, state, and local government shall regulate, limit, shall regulate, limit, or prohibit contributions and expenditures, including a candidate's own contributions and expenditures, to ensure that all citizens, regardless of their economic status, have access to the political process and that no person gains as a result of that person's money substantially more access or ability to influence in any way the election of any candidate for public office or any ballot measure. That's a so lot. So how do you, how do you regulate how you do that? that? Yeah. I don't know how you do that. That's, 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 yeah. I, I, I feel like that's kind of padding on top of what was said above, because I think most of what was said above kind of captures that problem anyway, if people can't donate money. Um, I, I feel like that part is more like backdoor deals sort of thing. Well, the, like it's just another mechanism to charge kick, you know, charge for kickbacks, which probably is already there anyway. But well, I, I think this even gets down to the individual level. So the first one says, first one's basically saying, artificial entities don't have rights under the Constitution, and they're only given the rights that we give them. Number two is, we ha states and local governments, state, federal, have to regulate political contributions and they should do such that everyone has an equal voice. It sounds good. Very difficult to do, I think. So uh, just short, uh, not to shortcut you, but shortcut the conversation. I mean, easiest way to do it would be say, but he say be to say no more political contributions. If you're running for president, you get $5 million of taxpayer money. If you're running for senator, you get $2 million of taxpayer money. If you're running for rep, you get $1.5 million of taxpayer money. Any other federal office, you get $750,000 of taxpayer money. That's it. And I, I, my thought would be these amendments allow, open the door for that to be done. I don't necessarily think you want to be that specific in an amendment. You could probably because tie it to like. change your mind. You could add COLA, right? Cost of or infl inflation, something in there. But I, I, the reason I like that, and the reason it'll never pass for the same reason is it completely shuts down lobbyism. It, it'll shut down the lobbyists because there's no. That's a lot of money right there, right? From a an economic perspective, it it will completely end political ads which will hurt the media organizations a lot I th it'll I think hurt the airline business right it'll hurt the bank it'll hurt everybody because of all the money that runs through the economy because of this bs because that's what it's really about and that's why it'll never happen i shouldn't talk that way because that's what we're going to fight for i we need to get to this point I'm being very cynical here, and I'll fight to get to this point or to that point. But I, that's where we need to get. I mean, taxpayer money, everybody equal ground. I don't care who your 
right, left, brand new party, right? Same money from the taxpayer. I think part of the reasons why some of these amendments don't get that specific, because as you pointed out, once you get into the weeds on some of these things, it becomes less, much less palatable for, for passing. I think the point that they're trying to bring in is let's at least clarify the rights under the Constitution, which is kind of the first step. And then we could argue about the details later, but let's get the Constitution clear that we could at least talk about doing this without it being raised as a constitutional issue. I know you're trying to get both of them together, uh, but I don't think that's, I don't think any of these, these uh, amendments will be that specific. Um, but it's like you, you want to cover both in one kind of fell swoop. I think they're thinking it's difficult enough just to get this, let alone, like you said, if you get more specific, then you're going to have even more resistance. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid that by, by going halfway, you make it much more difficult to go the whole way. And potentially you make things worse. But if you... Oh, I don't think you'd make it worse. I, again. I, I, I mean, the, the, these amendments do not change the law. You still no. have to write a law, right? You still have to, like you said, limit this, this, and this. All this is doing is saying you're able to do such within the confines of the Constitution because we yeah. have this amendment. I think that's so all maybe we're you say Congress has the right to make the change, you know, I think one and two on the on the second amendment were great, pretty solid. So you like to move to amend one better than the. I just want to make it clear. Yes, I do. So um, let me let me finish with that one. There's a couple more lines. Uh, federal, state, and local governments shall require that any permissible contribution expenditures be publicly disclosed. So that's a good one, right? You like disclosure. Yep. The judiciary shall not construe the spending of money to influence elections to be speech under the First Amendment. So that directly uh, addresses the judiciary saying money's not speech, which I think we've talked about before, but seems like they're more open to it today. Yeah. And then the third well, section says the this amendment shall not be construed to abridge the right secured by the Constitution of the United States of the freedom of press, which I think... Is good to put in there, but I don't, again, I don't know how you do that. So if somebody so, buys a new, so if somebody buys a newspaper, right? If a candidate yeah. buys a newspaper and spends tons of money giving out free newspapers, is that freedom of the press? I mean, I don't know, right? Well, I think so. I, I mean, right. the press can do what it wants to do. It's the candidate giving out the the free newspapers. Now, of course, the press is going to cater to that candidate knowing that that candidate's going to buy a bunch of newspapers, but that candidate hopefully is very limited on funds because they're not getting funds from these big entities anymore. Going back, yeah. going back to the first part of this recent section where you said the federal government and the states will limit I don't. I don't think I like the term states because I think the states. Uh, you're restricting rights of the states, and you're going back on state rights there. So that needs to be amended a little bit, 
the amendment needs to be amended a little bit. You can't limit state. States should have the right to let whatever they want to let happen happen within their state elections. So you need to specify for federal elections this will not happen. So you don't like the Constitution covering what state and local governments do? The, the Constitution isn't a bunch of rights. It's, a you know, for government, it's a restriction on what the government can do, right? It's not rights for people. It's a, the Constitution is strictly a restriction on what the government can do to people, right? What the uh, government can impose on people. That's how I look at it. So, yes, well, I think... I think the Constitution should not limit in any manner the states. And I don't know, is there an amendment in this Constitution that says states can't do this? Well, these know, amendments are definitely pointing to state and local governments and what they should do and what they shall require. So. I, I'm all, and that's where it gets tricky, right? It's, well, this if, one is. If the somebody running for a state position somebody's running for a state position, I don't care what Kansas wants to dictate for its representatives in Kansas at the state level. I do care that those running for Congress, federal Congress from Kansas, I do care that they have the same rules that somebody running for federal Congress from California. I mean, that, that matters, right? Or at a presidential level, you shouldn't have Kansas saying, you know, a president has to have belief one, two, and three. And California saying a president has to make sure that they've done A, B, and C before we allow them on our ballot. I mean, that's garbage, right? And so you're getting into the territory where you allow states to regulate things like that. It can get kind of tricky. So you shouldn't really have it in there at all. Although I think the Constitution talks about states too, so. Yeah, I mean, states have their own constitutions, um, but I think, I, yeah, I think states will ultimately determine it because they run their own elections, but the second one's more prescriptive in regards to they shall do this, they shall publicly disclose, they are telling the states what they need to do sort of things. They're not telling them exactly how to do it, but they're saying that they need to do it which I guess at the end of the day I'm okay with um, because at the end of the day they actually get to decide what the laws are within their uh, prospective jurisdictions. So I don't think it's overreach by the, the federal constitution, um, but it is kind of laying the groundwork for what they need to be doing. Um, so, I mean, these are, there's been other amendments. There's, if you look at the history of this, it's being brought up quite a bit. Uh, there's some momentum behind some of these things. I think everyone knows or realizes we have to do something about the money and politics issue. And the crux of it, at least from the Supreme Court rulings, has been, well, the Constitution lets it kind of be a free reign at this point. So I, the movements themselves say, well, the only way we're going to do this is to get a constitutional amendment. And that's a big hurdle. Yeah, and I think we need and to do it. I absolutely support that. I'll support any candidate who says we need to get an amendment to get the the money out of politics. I, I will do that. I'm just I'm very reluctant or hesitant to do that for anything that isn't very specific. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's been they've they've gotten constitutional scholars. I mean, these organizations are some of them are pretty well funded. Um, they've got some very good legal experts and, and governmental experts involved and on their boards and whatnot. It's not kind of a pie in the sky effort. I've, I've met with several of their organizations. They've got people, employees in all the states. They've got volunteers in all the states. So it's it's not like I said. It's it's there's organization around it. These are all issues, and hopefully we'll have somebody on, and you can ask them why they haven't gotten more specific, and they can address uh, why they've kind of gone in this direction versus being more specific. So hopefully yeah, we'll have great. a couple people on, uh, and we'll we'll get more. But I thought I wanted to present that because I I view that as uh, I've always viewed that as kind of a primary issue and fixing our government, uh, including sort of term limits, money in politics, and sort of anti-corruption issues. I think those are, to me, the three pillars of cleaning things up and making things better um, and moving us forward. So I, I, I definitely think this is an important issue. Um, so hopefully we'll have somebody on and we can talk further about this in the future. But for now, you need to Get ready. You need to pack for your trip, your Thanksgiving trip. Pack the girls up, the family roadster, and head north. And we'll uh, we'll see you in a couple days. Everyone have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you in December. Don't do, yeah. Don't I'm planning on uh, I'm planning on bringing a special wine to drink with. All actually, right. it's it's like a anniversary wine. It was rated 96 points. Awesome. I'm looking forward to sharing it with everybody. So. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll be there. Take care, Bob. Take care.